0: Now, hello and welcome to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast. And once again, I have a really, really special guest on the podcast. Today I've worked with um John for years. We were last time I worked with him is 2012. And we've stayed in touch and you will find the energy on this interview. The knowledge that John has is absolutely wonderful. Today, I'm speaking to John Cooper, who is director of It's Easy Website Design. Welcome, John.
1: Hi, Pearl. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. It's so good to catch up with you. It is.
1: It is indeed. Strange times we were in, but uh, it is, it's always good to catch up with anybody, uh, particularly
0: with you today. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Um, And as we know, there's always synchronicities and everything involved with the work we're doing and what we're doing. And we've asked, I've asked you to be a podcast guest for quite a while. So it was so good to actually find that space in your diary. So it's the new year where it's that little bit quieter. We think in January so I could grab that time and say, right, yes, let's put time in the diary and let's have a catch up. And so that all the audience members can listen and just learn from all the pearls of wisdom that you can share. Let's see what we can do for them. Most definitely. So without further ado, I'm going to jump into this first question. Now, could be quite a long answer for this because I've left it very broad. John, can you describe your career path to date, please?
1: Okay, so for the listeners, we'll see in about two days. (laughs) So, Now, I'll try and keep it as short as I can. Uh, So, uh, way back because I'm not young back in 1976 I was a printer's apprentice and so that was my chosen profession actually it wasn't my chosen profession I originally wanted to join the Royal Navy but I used to be allergic to the common cold and they said no not a chance you can come here with that so I'd been the idea of joining the Navy and became a printer instead uh which was fabulous and I was a printer's apprentice for about five years and then I went to uh Worked for a different company at that time, um, a company called Universal Poster Service in Nottingham, which still exists in a different location, but it's still running. And uh, they didn't have a print shop, and I helped the gentleman there set up his first print shop, which they now is their core business. Um, So being a printer uh, back in the day when it wasn't digital, Uh, It was smelly ink, which I love the smell of books and printed ink, still do. Books is a big thing, and you can't beat the smell of a freshly printed book. Um, You invariably had inky hands. And as a young man with inky hands, uh, it wasn't the most attractive thing when you, at that time, young, free and single, shall we say. And keeping the hands clean was always a challenge. And at that point, I used to do a lot lot of ice skating, and I fell into as a favour DJing at Nottingham Ice Stadium, and within a couple of weeks, I'd managed to secure a job in a nightclub, which was annoying to the guy that I was filling in for at the ice stadium, as he'd been DJing for years and still couldn't get into a club. And I managed it in two weeks flat. But I loved it, and I thought, do you know what? I want to do this for a living." And uh, uh, that's what I wanted, and that's what I got. But at the time, I was printing in Nottingham during the day, and I was being a nightclub disc jockey in Leeds, of all places. In the evenings, I'd finish work at five, drive to Leeds, do my set, get home about three in the morning, back in the print shop at seven. That wasn't sustainable, and I had to make a career choice: do I keep dirty fingers, or do I work late nights in nightclubs? And the rest, as they say, is history. So between times, I went to live in Spain, still DJing, and over there, I started working for the first English English language radio station in Spain, and that was Coastline Radio on the Costa del Sol, uh, where I had five shows on that particular station, and that was great. But at, uh, again, moving swiftly forward to about 1991 or two, I decided that uh, it was time to leave sunny Spain and uh, come back to Blighty, uh, at which point technology changed and the days of printing were far fewer, or it was still around. So I bought myself a computer and a laser printer and set up a small graphic design studio and started a print shop Brilliant. then moving on swiftly again because always looking for ideas and that was the kind of the person was at the time uh cable telephony came into the into the play. diamond cable in fact in nottingham was one of the first uh companies to uh, it was in fact it was the first company to have um phones other than bt so I had a company that was selling diamond cable phone services as a marketing team, which was a great experience and, again, moved me along a few more years to about 1997 when I thought, I'm going to have a look inside a blue chip and see what can I can find out there. And I went to work for a company in Low Long Withers called Transco, um, who subsequently merged with National Grid to become National Grid Transco, which then changed to National Grid, as you well know, Pearl. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and that's where I stayed. It was only originally meant to be a three-month contract. I was, a, I was actually a secretary in that business. And uh, I stayed there until I left in 2015, quite a few years later than the three months originally planned. <laughs> uh, and at that point, I acquired this business, which is a franchise, a national franchise, and It's Easy Websites franchise in Leicester. Which have been running now very successfully since 2015. I think that's about as potted a history as you can get. There's a few missing jobs in the middle there. I used to be a landscape gardener work in a garden, nursery, all the usual kiddie jobs that you've had. And the bar jobs, which I love working in bars, by the way, but uh, and I prefer to spend my time on the other. I'd love to spend the time on the other side of a bar at the minute, but no, I do like the odd, the odd beer, it's true.
0: Oh, this is absolutely wonderful. And this is this is why I set these questions for the podcast and we're fine. We're we'll probably dipping into different areas of your career as we go f- further through the questions. Because when I, when I set these questions for each of my guests, I'm aiming for the listener to get to know your personality, get to know how you work. So ideally, if they think, yes, we like this bloke, he knows exactly what he's doing, they're going to reach out. And they're going to want to work with you. And I say to the listeners, as I say to uh, all of the podcasts, make sure you have pen and paper handy because this man knows his stuff. So you'll be taking loads and loads of notes and you can come back and we always share all the details on the podcast when I upload it. So you'll have all the links to websites, to social media and ways that you can connect with John afterwards. So, yes, it's great to start with that. And we've got a really good background. And, like, say, you and I met when you when it was some um, National Grid, didn't you?
1: Yeah, and it's worth mentioning as well, Pearl, because I did say at the start of that I started out as a secretary. Mm-hmm. But actually, while I was being a secretary, I spotted a niche... Uh, and that niche at the time, back in 1997, was the fact they didn't have a very good company intranet. And uh, I thought I could probably make a job out of this. And that's exactly what I did. So I did work with uh, National Grid on their websites for the entire period. That's pretty much what I did mm-hmm. from 1998, I suppose, up to 2015 yeah. uh, in various yeah. guises on various platforms. But all the time, as a learning curve. Uh, a National Group provided some fabulous training for that, which was great. But that's where my knowledge grew. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you a funny story. I mentioned that uh, I was in Spain. When I left Spain, I actually went to South Africa for six months just to just to chill out, shall we say, do that kind of trip. And uh, in between times, I went over to Canada to see an uncle of mine and my cousin was getting married. And so I made two trips that year to Canada. And while I was there, my uncle said to me, he said, well, you seem to be at a lost end, a loose end. This is about 90, this would be 93, 92, 93. So before Transco days. And uh, he said, look, he said, I've got plenty of businesses. Why don't you come and live in Canada? We'll sponsor you. You can stay at the house till you get sorted out. I'll give you a job in one of my companies because he's got several businesses. And in 1991, he gave him this machine called a laptop, which I'd never heard of. And uh, he logged this laptop into something called the internet, which I'd never heard of. And I had this blue screen with white text. And one of the businesses he got was building satellites with NASA. So he logged into a NASA database and was looking at NASA stuff. And he said, if you want to come work here, I'll give you a job in this business, an internet company, and off you go. And I said, I spent an hour looking at this laptop with this blue screen and the white text and very interesting NASA stuff, because that was one of my hobbies, shall we call it, astronomy and bits like that. And I said to him, I said, I can't see this internet thing taking off. <laughs> and turned him down flat. And then I came back to sunny UK and started the graphic design business. So when I got my job, transco stroke national grid working on the website so I rang him and told him and he said you told me it wouldn't take off (laughs) the takeaway from this story is be big enough to admit when you've done something wrong and move with it so I also did say when I was a printer I did start to learn printing on an 1865 Colombian hand press and no I'm not that old um, but letterpress basically and there was always a discussion between the printers, the litho printers and the letterpress printers, and the litho printers would say they're the best. And the letterpress used to say, well, ours is more of a craft and litho will never take off. I was in that camp. So that the second time I said, it won't catch on. Uh, but, um, yeah, so pretty much from when I got back to the UK, I got into the internet world, uh, having turned down. What I later found out, he owned North America's largest internet business. So it's a bit like telling Bill Gates to go and, his plan's not going to work and i don't want any shares in your company thanks but i'm off it's one of those moments but on reflection if i would said yes i'd never have met my wife i wouldn't have my children i wouldn't have my house my lifestyle the things that i've got now
0: Yeah. So, learn so. by your
1: mistakes Definitely. pearl of wisdom number one
0: yes it is and it, we do grow and we learn and you saying that actually reminds me the first time i ever looked at the internet and I can remember doing a first search and I'm thinking this is boring I'm never going to use this you can't find anything what do I want to look on the internet for so you saying that reminded me of something years ago I think we all thought that and look where we've come with it now where you don't you it's sort of every day we're using it every day but at the time when it first started I couldn't see the need for it or anything like you've said I couldn't see. I thought this is boring. I left it for ages after I'd had the first go because I thought, what do I want to look for? I'm not interested in.
1: Well, that's kind of it. I was interested in space technology and stuff like that, but I couldn't find anything interesting to read on a blue screen with white text. Yeah. But now you look at the internet today, and you know, I've got two boys, eighteen and nine, and I had a conversation with the eighteen-year-old, and he was dumbfounded that when I was his age. It didn't exist. No mobile phones. No. It was phone boxes, computer. Now, nah. pocket calculator when I was at school cost fifty quid, and that yeah. was in nineteen seventy five. Yep, it was like wow. Now it's you get them
0: free in a bag of crisps. Exactly. Kind of I, I can remember doing games Commodore sixty four and stuff like that. That and the Hobbit was the thing, and you had to put a cassette in and wait for it to play. Yeah. And, now, when we see with the Playstations and Nintendo and everything, it's it's a different world, isn't it? It shows just how much we've come on and we've learned. We talk about the foundations, but from those very little foundations, just what's grown from that now.
1: I know we're in the middle of a pandemic, but can you imagine if this pandemic was in 1976? Yeah. In a non-connected world. Yeah. That would have been different again, wouldn't it?
0: Yeah. There'd be different dynamics in so many different ways Some good, some bad
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely
0: I mean, this is where we're, you and I work with tech and social Social can be terrible at times And this whole thing that people suddenly think That they can write anything they want Whether it's true or not And they don't realise that they are still breaking the law That if they say something that they shouldn't they can be prosecuted for it, but they seem to think, oh, they're allowed, like, people, when you get trolls and everything that have a go at the celebrities or pick on someone for no reason. Where, they're half these people, I remember seeing a picture, on, I think it was on Facebook, years and years ago now, and it said, you'll never be very careful because you never know who it is you're speaking to. And there was a picture of a very very large man sat in front of his computer with not a stitch of clothing on and I thought yeah and I've always kept that in mind and you say where people photograph their food and what they've eaten and so it's it's not keeping up with the Joneses anymore it's Instagram or it's Facebook or it's saying look this is what I've got and people put this this pretense out there and I think I mean, I know we've talked about things before, but I think this is what's bringing in mental health problems as well because you've got so much pressure to be like this pretend life that people share, and those people that share it, it's not real.
1: It's, it's, it's like an enhanced version of Keep Up With The Joneses. Back in the day, yeah. when I was younger, because I'm old, um, the Joneses lived next door. In fact, it was for me, it was the Clarks. They live next door. The Clocks and the Roses, I live next door to, no Joneses. Um, and that's who you kept up with. That you know, They got a new car, you got a new car. They dug the garden, you mowed the lawn. And that was the extent of it. Now, there's this expectation like, oh, look, I'm on holiday in the Maldives. And you don't post it to show off, you post it because everybody else is posting it. So if you go on holiday, there's an expectation you're going to post all your holiday pictures. Yeah. So when I had uh, my last son, Dylan, he's nine now, when he first was born, I was posting lots and lots of pictures on social media because that's what you do. And someone actually says, we stop posting all this crap about your son. I'm not really interested. Everyone had a go at him (laughs) saying what he actually thought. And actually, on reflection, he's kind of got a point. Mm. Because in the past, you'd say, I've had a son, and you might invite them to a christening and this that and the other or you might on the one occasion say you know congratulations and that's a nice picture and Mm. but now you do get flooded with picture after picture every birthday every event first day at school I've done it and everyone does the same yeah but what has happened in that period with the social media side of things so let's pull it back to business is that There is the expectation that you have a social media presence if you're in business. If you're in business, an expectation that you should have a website. I was talking with someone just last week, and the reason they wanted a website was because someone had said to them, you're only on Facebook. I couldn't take you seriously as a business. So they wouldn't deal with him because he didn't have a website, which on reflection is crazy. And yes, I'm here and I, I build websites. That's what I do. And so you'd think, well, that's great for you, John. But actually, you know, the first question I ask a customer or a potential customer isn't what website would you like? It's how can I help you? Tell me about your business. We understand the problem. Now, at the end of the conversation, it might well be they don't need a website or a new website or something else. And that's a strange thing to say. But for me, it is about helping the person. And sometimes that help doesn't necessarily mean a sale. Now, in the future, I've in the past talked to someone and they've not had a website. But that person has passed me three customers who have had websites because they remembered that when I spoke with them, I didn't try and sell them something. I tried to understand the problem, which I did. I helped them out. I made nothing from it at all except goodwill. And goodwill has given me three new customers. That's what it's all about. But again, it was the expectation of the customer last week. You've not got a website, so I can't take you seriously. By the same token, when I looked at his personal profile, his business page had got probably four posts on it, and his personal profile, it was posting about dogs, pictures of pints in the garden, and all this kind of stuff. Very little about business. You think actually, I probably wouldn't want to do business with you either. <laughs> you know, and all he needs is some coaching on how to correctly portray his business as opposed to himself. Because he tended, he had, although he had a business Facebook page, the promotion was taking place on his personal page, yeah. along with all the rest of his stuff.
0: Yeah, and it is then it's sifting it through to actually see what is it that people want to see. Yeah.
1: Now, in reality, he's got a great business and he's excellent at what he does. Yeah. So that there, I can help him, yeah. and it, he gets that.
0: Yeah, and this is where once again you're showing how good you are at what you do. Because you're not doing the hard sell and everything, you will get those sales because you're so good at what you do and you don't because you're looking to help people. When we've seen in technology, we're always up against the people that will do it cheaper, will do it quicker, and they've they've maybe only just started in the industry last week or last month. And people go to them because maybe they are charging slightly less than you or I would. But then we've got years and years of experience. We can make something that they'd be proud of. Whereas if they go to the people that have just set up and are doing all these cheap prices, they can be coming to us afterwards to pay more, to put it right, because they've gone the wrong direction. But it, it's, it's all down. A lot of it is social media and portrayal of what people say. and mm. uh, They big themselves up. But like half of these, we see these people that are saying they're earning seven figures. And I'm thinking, well, if you were earning seven figures, I don't know that you'd actually be on Facebook promoting and doing a free challenge. You'd be out there doing business or you'd have a PA or whatever. I mean, they may well do, but sometimes it does. I do look at some of it and I think this is a complete load of baloney. Go away and... Don't usurp people's trust me when they make this complete rubbish up. But that's me on my high horse because I do get quite niffed about it.
1: <laughs> it is true. You do see that. And, you know, you know, my business is a national part of a national franchise. The, uh, the reason I bought that was because uh, I wanted a turnkey business, which it offered. You know, uh, I'm very knowledgeable on various platforms that websites are built on. And when I saw this particular company's editing system, how easy it was to use, and that's the name of the business it's easy and when i uh tongue- in cheek I thought well there must be a reason, but actually when I did see it, it really is easy yeah. now when I worked uh, at the blue chip um before taking this franchise on, I was forever training editors on various platforms over and over again. And it was a complex operation, and you're forever going back and retraining and they'd forget little bits and this that and the other but actually this editing system for me was easy to use so what that meant was that the customers would have a great experience with the product and that has proven to be true those that want to edit their own websites can do so and they can do it easily and that for me was really important and the other thing about the editing system and our websites in particular was uh we don't use templates all of the websites are bespoke because every business is individual i wouldn't want to shoehorn pearls of wisdom into a template because that sort of fits i'd want to build pearls of wisdom website that reflects pearl and the business
0: yeah
1: and that for me again was a really important thing and it was all about customer service and satisfaction and making sure that the website that somebody gets delivers on return on investment because ultimately that's what it's there for if you treat a website like an employee Mm -hmm. it should have Targets, it should have goal setting, it should have a plan behind it. All these things need to be in place. Don't have a website just for the sake of it. You wouldn't employ someone because everybody else has got employees. Yeah, You'd give them a job description, and a website's no different.
0: Yeah, yeah, completely, completely agree. I mean, already the energy on this interview is high and we've got so many things that we can discuss because we've got that experience in it so it's just it's just brilliant i'm going to move on to the next question now you might have touched on it in your introduction but can you name three things that made you choose your your current career and why i think you have touched on bits of this
1: yeah so um i do like I'm my printer by trade i've touched on that earlier as well in fact if you look at the things i've done radio presenting, nightclub, disc jockey, printer, telephones, websites. It's all in the communications arena in one way or another. So I do like talking with people, engagement and all that kind of stuff. So that fitted for me. I do like the creative side of things. And despite saying the internet would never take off, hands up, made a mistake. There is a great value to doing websites for people whether it's for the order of the fleur de lis or for the electrician down the road or for the Zinthia trust in leicester a charity or libraries or doctor surgeries they all need websites that serve different people and every time i launch a new website there's a piece of satisfaction that we were involved in helping your business grow but our strapline is helping your business grow and that we're there to help so finding the right business to do that was the first challenge and Originally, I looked at setting up a web design business for myself mm-hmm. on my own, going through the mechanics of setting up a business, all the rest. Certainly, I've got the knowledge to build websites. Not a problem there. I needed to do some business learning, which I'm still doing today. I have a business coach. I work with them closely all the time. Uh, and a big takeaway, if you've not got a business coach, get one because they're fabulous. They see what you don't, and they're blunt. Yeah. <laughs> <Trust me. laughs> but finding the right website idea was really important but what brought it home to me was actually a conversation with my sister and back five years ago she said hey john guess what i'm getting a website built and he really guess what i do for a living she said oh yeah i forgot websites so she paid this guy to build her a website for two thousand quid and he was charging a 40 odd quid a month and 50 pound for updates but it took him eight months to build it eight months and uh i kind of asked the question how come it took so long he said well he got busy he got three customers on the go i said well three customers that really shouldn't affect anything it? so i figured okay so the, the, the takeaway here is maybe i need a team behind me before I start so then i looked at the franchise market and the franchise sector and oddly enough i picked up the franchise magazine at national grid where i was um in in their c- coffee area and it was there i spotted this opportunity went to see them down in torquay and what they offered was exactly what I needed, a turnkey business that meant I could start the business on the day I took it on. Yeah. And that, was, for me, was really important. Yeah. we got a team of coders, graphic designers, designers and developers behind the franchise that do all the, all the nuts and bolts of the build, shall we say. Although I can do it, it's a bit like a football manager doesn't get jump on the pitch and take all 11 positions up. He can't do it all. Yeah. he runs the club and I'm the football manager in that analogy right. and the team behind it they win the matches for sure um, and that was really important and sometimes and as a business owner and business out, owners out there will know you're either an employee in your own company or you own the business and if you own the business other people are doing work for you right. and you're paying them to do that work and once you get that separation, things change. So as much as I do like getting my hands dirty and building websites and the pretty stuff, um, I also know that to get it done, done efficiently for the customer's benefit, the team needs to be doing that, not me. Yeah. And that's why I took this franchise on, and it's proven to be fabulous.
0: Yeah. And um, I can so relate to everything you're saying. I know when I set up my first company, and um, I got a business advisor with the bank, business bank account. And he called me to set up an appointment. And the first thing he said, no, I answer my phone and everything. He said, right, first thing I'm telling you, he says, you never ever answer your own phone. He says, you have someone else because if you're answering your own phone, it's showing people that you're a one-man band. And I've sort of taken that on. And yes, with different businesses that I've had, I've tried different telephony things where it will go through and you have like a virtual reception that will answer. Sometimes it depends how much you have coming in, whether that works or not. Or you could still have it as like a work phone and you have a voicemail or something so that you're not picking up the phone to speak to it. You can do a recorded message and get back to potential customers. Or now with websites, you've got the contact form and people can actually reach out and ask that way and say what their needs are so that you can be prepared before you go back to them. But it is things like that that you need to take into consideration because we go back to my my bugbear about the social media people that because we've got whole generations now that have grown up using social media and they've used it for personal use, they think they are experts in it. But doing social media or marketing or web design for business as opposed to personal is two completely different things you need to consider different things and it's a completely different role but you have this where where they just think oh yeah they can just run away with this and do it you can tell this is a bugbear of mine can't you
1: <laughs> <Not at all. laughs>
0: but it 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 does i mean like when we've got to say we we touch on the mental health piece again where you've got youngsters well they're youngsters to me that are getting bullied on social media because they don't get enough likes or whatever. I mean, yeah, you and I have got large networks, but I'm the first to say to people, doesn't matter about the numbers. If you just connect with one person with a post and you have changed their life or their day so that they feel better or they learn something... That's an achievement. You don't need hundreds of likes because it doesn't mean anything. In fact, Facebook has now changed the algorithms that if you put a heart on it, the um, posts uh pushed higher up the ranking as opposed to if you just like it. You need to love it. And it's all these things that, what's it showing the... The younger generations that that's how they're supposed to react and it's wrong <laughs> says she that does it for a living, but it's still wrong.
1: <laughs> it's true and unfortunately we have to go with the flow. I was talking to a niece of mine um about three, four years ago, and I'm sure this situation has now changed. She'd never sent an email. Mm. It wouldn't have occurred to her, get an email account. so I can do it all on social media. don't need email. Now, if you step back to 1989, 90, when email started to come in, and it literally was around about that time, where then we got faxes, if you were lucky, that have been done on a typewriter and that kind of stuff. That there's a thing called email coming and you'll have email accounts that'll have you out of the room.
0: Yeah.
1: But now we're getting to the point where email will start to become a thing of the past. It will go at some point. Yeah. And when you look at the younger ones who've never had an email, wouldn't think about getting an email account. And the only reason you get an email address is because you need an email address to sign up to an account. Yeah. That's the only reason that they they get these things to fit in. Yeah. Because at the moment the only mechanism to get certain products is please enter your email address. Yeah. And as marketers, we know the value of an email address when you're marketing to companies. That's how business is currently done. That will no doubt change. Um, I don't know when, I don't know how, but it will. It'll change. You know, when I think back to the print shop and uh, Roy Brown, the guy that owned the business Brown and Skevington, where I was an apprentice, he would sit at his desk manually writing everything into his ledgers.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that was how it all worked. It was all on paper and lead type and things like that you know he was originally a professional footballer he played for knots county but then he was doing what he was doing and he had a print shop and that was the world back then now if you're a footballer well that's a whole other conversation but (laughs) things do change but in the meantime in the business side of things you have to go with the flow of what is current yeah unfortunately that means you need to be And not necessarily all of the platforms, but involved in social media to some degree, because it's an instant thing. So websites are dynamic by their nature anyway, but not as fast or responsive for getting uh, a response as perhaps LinkedIn would be. Yeah. And I guess the way to look at LinkedIn is the businessman's Facebook, because more and more it's getting a little bit social in there. Yeah. uh, Which might end up spoiling it. I don't know. And I was one of the first million people on LinkedIn. I had a, a badge at one point, and That seems sort to of have vanished. <laughs> there are lots of people on there now. Um, but certainly getting on the right platform for your business is important. So do I use Instagram? No. Should I? Maybe. Um, and like, as I call it, hairdresser syndrome, I've got no hair, but they always tend to picture a hairdresser with a bad haircut. And so as a, someone building websites and working with social media, I don't post perhaps as often as I should do. Uh, that is about to change. But, again, it's making sure that the platform that I use is the right platform, conveying the right message to the right audience. And once you get the audience segmentation right and the platform right, then it becomes useful and part of your marketing mix. But yeah. you shouldn't have to do everything. But at the moment, there is an expectation you should be found on social media or on a website, then that's what you need to do
0: yeah but there is so much about i mean we say about the the current situation so many businesses are needing to pivot and to take what they do whatever widget they're selling or whatever and actually put it online and that's where your and my skills come in so much and i i i've started this year in a really positive viewpoint because we've got brexit done now um, things are going to change. So how many people? I mean, it is, it's is—it's like a brand new start. We can completely pivot and do new things. But you've got the experts that can help guide and take everything online. COVID isn't going to be here forever. It's going to be here for quite a while yet, I think. But its it's been a massive learning curve for people to show that like I think we said earlier in a previous conversation, if this current pandemic had happened in the 70s, we we wouldn't be talking to each other. We wouldn't know what was going on. Whereas the fact that it's happened now, we have the likes of Zoom that we're doing this interview on. We've got social media that people can share. We can see things that have happened. Some of it is... We see this fake news thing and you need to learn what's true and what isn't. But it's being aware to use that information and that's the stuff that you and I have grown up with. This is our our technology understanding is probably greater than most people because we have seen it grow and we've got that to back it up and we can see why it's grown and pivoted to where it is now. And it goes back to the communication side. If you can understand... The key learning styles and the audience demographic and what area you're speaking to, you know how to connect with them. You know whether to do an image, whether you should actually write some text, whether you should do a video to say, or well, why not do all three and put them on different platforms so that you've got that understanding and you cover everything.
1: That's right. And, it, you know, a really bad analogy might be opening a, a ski resort in the Costa del Sol. If you don't get your audience and demographic right, that's what you do sometimes. You open your ski resort when the sun shines. Yeah. And there's a beach. It's just not going to work. And it really is understanding who you want to talk to because the reality is you can talk to the entire world. Yeah. But if you're a hairdressing salon in Leicester, then the whole world's not of interest to you.
0: No.
1: There might be a, oh, look at this little place in Leicester they do these great hairstyles and you sat on Bondi beach reading about it mm-hmm. is that really useful information no you've just wasted some marketing time getting mm-hmm. it to that audience which is very easy to do yeah. but actually making sure that you get your audience right for the, whatever you're doing is really important because you, and you also get to make sure the tone of voice is right for those audiences yeah. you know they're not your mates down the pub And depending on what you're doing, the tone of voice has got to reflect your business. Because now more than ever, online is the shop window. we are seeing it all the time. The big retailers are shutting down, even before the pandemic. The high street shops trying to fight back, and then the pandemic comes along. Um, And then all these shops are now online. As you say, back in 1970, uh, if the shops are shut, you didn't shop. Yeah. Where would we be? Yeah. <laughs> and it is about flexing with the time. So we talked about. You mentioned Zoom. We're having this conversation over Zoom. Now, pre-pandemic, I'd never used Zoom. I'd had conference calls, and I might have gone go to a meeting or some other technology, or Google Hangouts or whatever else. You know, used something in the past. Um, but on the rare occasion, it was like, "Blooming hell, we're going to have an online meeting now." It's like. Dylan, my nine-year-olds has online meetings with the school for example yeah. but when it comes out of the pandemic world you know i'd spend 20 percent of my time in the car in a working week mm. um i spent 100 pound a week on fuel i was going to get an electric car this well not this year now last year uh, but not using the car the efficiencies i could have made had gone because i wasn't using the car so that's kind of on hold for now, but I will go electric at some point. But um, actually, when it comes out of the pandemic, the new normal for me will, is going to be Zoom meetings. My business has run perfectly well. and I'm very fortunate and I'm very conscious of that, that my business is still doing very well in this current uh, pandemic. But actually, the way of working works now would i have pivoted to online meetings without the pandemic no i wouldn't even i wouldn't have thought about it i might have heard the suggestion but my focus was on about going electric car and save on fuel which is ecologically the right thing to do and there's a cost saving and all these other bits but actually the benefit of zoom is i don't need to use the fuel i don't need to use the car when i have a one-hour meeting with somebody guess what it lasts one hour yeah i don't need to travel to the meeting so there's more of my time available to other customers and the customer that i've been to see for an hour on zoom has one hour of their day taken up there's no coffee to go and make no going nip to the loo there's no interruptions Mm. and our meetings are very focused and they last one hour and Mm. everything i do in my business i can do online so the new norm for me is zoom now Sometimes I will need to see customers, and in, in the future I will go and do that, um, but it will, that that is now going to be the exception because yeah. it's a benefit to the customer, benefit to me. And the same is going to apply for, you know, I actually do have a hairdressing salon that is selling uh, hairdryers and bits and bobs online while the salon's shut. So yeah. they've got a bit of a revenue stream while they're closed, and that's yeah. a great thing to do. But they, they they said, but we'll still be doing it when we reopen because actually there's no reason why we shouldn't. Don't know, we had not thought of it before.
0: Yeah.
1: And it is about finding where your business can fit in.
0: Yeah.
1: And online is definitely a place to go, but it's got to be in the right way to suit your business.
0: Yeah, completely, completely agree with that. I can move on to the next question. Now, this already, the energy on this interview is brilliant. We can see the, the amount of information we're sharing <coughs> from here. You've probably touched on some of this and any listener will know just how strong you stick to your values. But my next question is, what key values does your business offer you? Because you've probably touched on bits.
1: Well, integrity first. I mean, you know, as I said to you before, my when I get up in the morning, it's not what websites I'm going to sell today. It's how can I help somebody? That's it. It's all about helping people for me. Uh, and people being people who own businesses essentially but again also helping people who might visit their websites so a website for a doctor's surgery that website has to do the right thing to help a patient get to the right information as fast as possible now during the pandemic I've been updating my doctor's surgeries websites and a couple of dentist websites that I've got on the books uh, for free so rather they were doctors and dentists right now than updating their website, which has been quite common, often because of coronavirus updates and so on. Mm-hmm. So I've been busy doing it, but I've not charged them for it because I'd rather they were doing mm. being doctors. They've got enough to think about without thinking about their website. So That's kind of what I like to do. And it is just about customer service and focusing on that more than anything else for me.
0: Yeah. And I think you can't beat good customer service. And this is where so many people fall down because... You said it earlier, the word communication. All right, we specialise in that. But I think anyone that works for themselves or in any line of work, any, any position you are in life, you need to understand how to communicate with people. It helps you get on, helps you to actually get what you want and see what others want. And if you don't have the art of conversation, everything will suffer from it. Because if you don't treat people properly, you're not going to build a business because you won't have the engagement right. If even children starting out, if their parents haven't taught them the art of conversation and communication, they don't even know how to say please and thank you sometimes. And it's amazing how those two simple words can go such a long way. It is, and, you know,
1: it's one of those accepted things that well people always say please and thank you but actually they don't and you know some customers might be excellent at what they do so let's say pick on an electrician for example or a plumber or a holistic therapist they might be brilliant at what they do but to convey what they do into narrative for a website is alien to them they could probably talk to you about it all day um quite confidently and you'd fully understand their business and what they do. Uh, the minute it goes into putting into words, they've lost it. There's two things. If you're going to get a website, and you're not sure what to write, hire a copywriter because they do.
0: Yeah.
1: They don't need to be electricians or holistic therapists. What a copywriter does is listen, and then they translate it. They get to know you, your business, your personality. Translate to copy for the website. The website is a completely different beast when it's been done by a copywriter because they learn to talk to your customer and your narrative and that tone of voice reflects your business and your personality. And you don't lose the customer in acronyms and all the rest of it. Uh, it talks them in plain English. So, you know, things like that are really important.
0: Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. I'm going to move on to the next question, but... Because we're going into such depth, I think a lot of these are being covered. So we we'll see. But this, this, you will, this question you will recognise from corporate days because I've always, I always used to use it when I was pulling together blog articles. Uh-huh. So, John, what keeps you awake at night?
1: That question.
0: <laughs> what keeps me awake?
1: Do you know what? There are times when I do not sleep uh which is fine uh that's just me and the nature of me and what keeps me awake is sometimes and this is back to helping out a customer and i always like trying to over deliver so i'm working on a website at the moment i know what they're trying to do they're trying to trying to achieve in the business but there's something about it's not sitting right and it's not making sense so last night i was Two o'clock in the morning, I was sat with a pen and pad making a few notes. I wanted maybe a few notes, then I went back to bed and I was fine. And sometimes you just need those pen and pad moments. But the only thing that keeps me awake at night is when there's something that's a challenge, I want to solve it, I I want to find an answer to it. That's usually what keeps me awake. And, you know, I, I do practice mindfulness. And so sometimes I'll turn to that to try and get to sleep. But actually, sometimes... You just need to come up with the answer. Right. I know that, that uh, an overactive mind is certainly going to keep you awake at night. And that's what generally keeps me awake, is thinking about something yeah. um, that I want to I want to solve. Not because it, 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 I'll be in a bad place if I don't solve it. My, human na- my own nature is that I want to fix something. I want to find a solution. Yeah. And it's actually a nice challenge to have. But it does keep me awake, definitely.
0: Oh, yeah. I can so relate to that because I tend to do the same. When you said two o'clock, I woke up and I looked at the clock and it said 2.22. And that's when I woke up this morning and I did not go back to sleep. I tried and I thought, no, I've got ideas going through my head. I've got, um, I was doing Instagram posts. I was doing Facebook posts. I updated LinkedIn. And so all these people, if... If they then listen to this interview and they think, oh, that's why Paul woke me up at three o'clock when she was sending a message because their phone went off or something. But it is, I think, again, working for yourself, the dynamics of it. If you really love what you do, you don't ever switch off. So you are always thinking, what's the next thing? And if you move into like a new campaign or something, it's constantly going to be on your mind. And I know people will say, take devices away. Well, I use my phone as my alarm. So I'm afraid that's always beside the bed. I have got to the thing. I've set the thing so I've got sleep time. So it And I stop certain calls. And I have had people that have called me. I start to wind down from 8.30. I mean, I'll still sometimes be on Zoom calls but I start to wind down from 8.30, so I don't receive calls, and I've had people that have called at half nine, and I haven't answered, and I've gone back to them in the morning and said, I'm so sorry, Uh, the phone's set to that, and they've said, oh yes, well that's a good idea, I should, but then I sit with my iPad, I take that damn thing to bed, and if I wake up in the night, I'm doing it like you, with your pad and paper, I'm writing ideas down, and I think that's that's just the way it's the passion we have about what we do. We love what we do. So it's a positive way. Now, if I, in the corporate world, when we ask that, they always say, Oh, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about the next um, financial year or the quarter. And if we can deliver yeah. on that. But now, when I ask the question, it's through, the answer is about passion. You either get people that say, No, nothing wakes me up. I'm happy. And that tells me they're really happy in what they're doing. Or the likes of you and I that wake up in the middle of the night and sit there and work on something because we have the passion as well and and we just want to keep on going.
1: Yeah, and it is that. It, it's uh, some some would argue it's a bad thing to be doing that, but actually, on balance, you know, if I need to take time out during the day for half an hour's nap, which is very Churchillian, but I do it. Yeah. You know, I can a power nap for me in the middle of the day is great. Yeah. Um, and, but some would say, well, you're not getting proper sleep or maybe that's true. But some days, you know, you think, you know what, I'm going to have a nap. That's fine. Um, but, uh, no, if something's troubling you in sleep, then yeah, get up. And the reason I use a paper and pad, it purely because that once I get on an iPad, I'd be reading the news, flicking Facebook, and that's a discipline of have put in. Yeah not pick up technology to record my idea or solution but do it on pa- paper yeah. and that way i don't get roped into something else so at two o'clock pearl by 10 past two, i was back in bed whereas you're two 22, you're still up
0: yeah and i was still up at 20 past five and then i thought stuff it i'm like i'm getting up now it's pointless i've laid there so i just got up and that was it <laughs> i was
1: networking with um 35 businesses at six o'clock this morning yeah so I've, I've, I've been i was up early anyway mm-hmm. but uh that's how i started my day today was with a networking meeting with 35 other businesses which is great great start to the day but i probably only had six hours sleep last night but i'm all right and i might i might have a nap later i might not
0: but, but
1: then, the sun's out today
0: but you see other nights you might find that you just sleep right through and then you make up for it yeah. And it it just depends what work needs to be done at the time. But it's always good to get that so that the listeners can hear and see exactly the personality set that you've got. And they can probably relate to everything you've said there.
1: So that's all good.
0: It is. It is. Right. We're now... I I start off with your career so that the listeners can see uh, how... Your personality is formed. We've seen about what keeps you awake at night. I'm now going to ask you, where and how do you work best? Because you've already told us that bits of it change. But again, it's so the listener could potentially become a client or a customer.
1: So where and how do I work best? Well, because the nature of the business I've got, um, I don't need to be sat with a customer to do, do the work I do. Uh, so I actually now have a, a home office, small home office in the corner of the garden, which is lovely. So and when the, when it's nicer weather, I can open the door and it's a bit of fresh air coming in and can hear the birds, which is lovely. So, again, nice, nice environment, nice and quiet out the way. Um, in pre-pandemic world, I'd go and sit in coffee shops and invariably I'd go and visit the customers and spend all day out and about visiting my customers and working with them at their premises. Uh, Because to get a good feel for a business, sometimes, in fact, most of the time, you need to at least visit it once.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, You know, so there's an equestrian centre in the village. They've had a new indoor menage built. It's one of the best in the Midlands. It's, Mm. you know, it's a fabulous, fabulous facility. And I've watched it go from the plans to breaking the ground, to building it, to running the first events. Mm. And you can't get that sat in the little corner office in the garden. So it was great to get involved with that from the early stage and see it develop. Um, some customers really want you to see their brand new office or showroom or building. Well, a few customers have moved premises in the last two or three years, and I've gone to just that. I've gone to their openings, I've gone to their open days, mm-hmm. and things like that. But again, it's all about, not because it's a, a little soiree to go and have a glass of wine and a cake somewhere, but it's about to actually be actively involved in what the customer's trying to do for me. Yeah. So you know, seeing, working with them at their premises. So some customers actually go and spend two or three hours there uh, as a mindfulness teacher I work with. And when I go there, I'll spend half a day, and we can sit in the cootie, which is a uh, their uh, place where they teach their mindfulness, uh, which is actually in his back garden, but it's a great big building. Uh, but we'll go and spend time there and he gets a level of service that he wouldn't necessarily get from you know a a larger company based out in Manchester or Belfast or somewhere else. I'm actively I'm really genuinely interested in what he's doing and how can I how can I help him do that. So I love to spend time with my customers but when it comes to getting the most work done physically then it's out the way. I'll stick some music on in the background. Or even a film and let's listen to the film soundtrack in the background and then I can work away. I can't work in silence though. It has to be said. It has to be something on in the background.
0: Yeah. I must admit, I've got quite a few YouTube playlists that it might be some of the um binaural beats or something that helps with the concentration. Cause is mm. when you're doing that you do work. I can't listen to films, I can't listen to all autobi- the audiobooks books, because much as I like to um, multitask, if I'm really concentrating on writing the content and I've got other sounds, I can't. I can't because I, I zone in on what I'm listening to.
1: <laughs> you see, my lovely wife will work in perfect silence. Mm. I can't work like that, so once we don't work side by side because we drive each other nuts otherwise. <laughs> I can cope with the quiet, but I work better with noise. It's yeah. true. And it's finding your own balance, really. But no, I actually, if I'm really, really honest, I'd rather spend time with a customer. But at the minute, I can't do that. So next best thing is Zoom. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I tend to find, I mean, most of my work now is done on Zoom. And although, yes, I've been shielding, it's just me and my dad at home. And I've got diabetes. So as soon as um, pandemic came in, I thought, no, I'm not going anywhere And literally since March last year, I don't go out hardly at all. But I don't feel as bad as I would because I I talk to people all around the world Hmm. on Zoom or on social media or something. So I'm communicating. I don't feel as if I'm isolated.
1: I think the important thing as well, Pearl, is because even pre-pandemic, I'd often have long conversations over the phone with customers. Yeah, now those same customers will have the same conversation but over Zoom because there's a value to seeing the customer, even if it's sat in the front room, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, uh, I think uh, people like you know, if you're we're social animals by nature, and actually, while you can do stuff over the phone with Zoom, it's great because you've got the laptop in front of you, so you've got both hands available to do typing where needed. We can share screens, we can see what each other's doing, and there's more of a connection than a phone call. And I guess this is getting almost Star trek in the fact that the communicator is going to include a picture every time you talk to somebody. Yeah. You know, already the phones, the smart watches are doing that to a degree. Yeah. And it's only much time before a phone without videos won't exist. Yeah. You know, and there's and the reason for that is people do like to talk to people. Yeah. And so the pandemic's kind of brought things forward a bit. I think Zoom would have occurred anyway, or there are other brands out there. you know, would have occurred anyway. It's just accelerated into where it is today because of the pandemic. But actually, it's not a bad way of working.
0: Yeah, and you do. I think it's taken away some of the pressure. We talked about this before with the corporate days, Mm. that by doing this, even though you're working at home, you can have a start time and you can have a finish time.
1: Mm. Now,
0: when I was doing the commute to Westminster every day, I might finish and leave the office at seven o'clock, but I wasn't going to get back and step through the door until 10 o'clock. And if the trains weren't running properly, sometimes it was 12 o'clock and I'd be on the six o'clock train the next day. So you'd be turning round and everything. And the amount of people, especially the higher up we go, when I was working with c suite and I'd hear people saying, you get a director that finally looks at his emails on a Sunday, late on a Sunday, and they send an email at 11 o'clock at night. And then he's shouting at people in the morning because they haven't read it, because it's been the weekend and they haven't actioned something because he sent it too late. And these, hopefully, when you're working from home and everyone's working from home, that isn't happening so much. You're actually getting... All oh, right. Yes. The commute, if you're going from upstairs to downstairs, depending on where your office is or go into the kitchen or to sit on the, at the dining table, it's a much shorter commute. But it means then, yes, when you finish for the day, you can switch off. If you've got a work phone, you can turn it off and you can have the personal me time, the mindfulness, as we've talked about before. So you can actually go in and spend time with you.
1: Yeah. And it's true. You know, this, this. Way of working now online, uh, it is actually giving time back. You know, even when I worked uh, over in Warwick, it was hour and a bit there and hour and a half back, so let's say two and a half hours out the day. At one point, I worked in Northampton; it was two hours each way, so yeah. four hours of the day I was sat in the car.
0: Yeah,
1: week in week out. On top of the hours I was putting in, it was yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but actually, when you work remotely, the biggest thing that you earn is time. Yeah. Now you can't buy time. No. That and love. You no. can't buy either of those, but actually you can share the love because you're at home more. Yeah. And the time is is, is, the, is the big benefit of where we are. Now that might not sit well with a lot of people because, you know, depending on what industry they're in and they need to be out and about and fully accept that. But, a certain portion of the population there is an opportunity here to have more time available now that time you could use however you like time with your family time helping charities out time helping other people but it's time it's time you don't have to sit in a car for me is an absolute win-win for everybody
0: yep couldn't agree more and i think we are going to see a change, even from the large corporates, because they're going to find they don't need the overheads of as large an office. They might have a smaller office that people hot desk and they only go in at certain days. And people work from home more, because if they can find they can do it, they don't have the electricity or fuel bills. They They don't even have the rent on the buildings, do they? There's so many things they don't have to fork out for. So you never know. They might actually um, give their employees a pay rise. But don't quote me on this, listeners, because it might not happen. It might go into the profits instead.
1: And there's other things you can think about as well. I mean, the hospitality sector has been absolutely wiped by this. And I've got friends and customers in that sector that are really struggling at the moment. And they're trying to do what they can to stay afloat. And, you know, for them, you know, anything we can do to help them has Mm. got to be good because at some point we all want to go back to a restaurant or a pub or to an attraction or whatever it might be. We all want to go on holiday. Those things will come back at some point. So what can we do to help them? Well, do you know what post pandemic? So. If we pick pubs that tend to open at certain times and do certain things, they might do breakfast, might do lunches, and there's a lot of downtime as well. But what about, you know, some of these cafes and pubs and they do exist and, you know, When I'm out and about in Leicester and I've got an hour between meetings, I go and sit in a coffee shop somewhere and yeah. you know, tap into the free Wi-Fi and have a cup of coffee and do a bit of work. So why not make more co-working places where you can actually go and that's purely what it's for. It's a, a business hub where you go and have coffee and lunch and it's designed for business people to, to sit and do stuff. So rather than have, own an office that's got 15 people in it, in a town where you're employees might be there's a, a local co-working cafe out there that they can jump in so they're not at home yeah. if you like they are kind of at work but in a space where there are other businesses and that offers networking opportunities and other things and not being isolated Yeah, not doing it at home but not having to travel two hours to get to your office but do it somewhere else yeah there's opportunities that hopefully will surface and I'll jump into one of those places
0: yeah I was just thinking that and like when you said about networking as soon as you said it I thought yeah for any business post-pandemic it's a way to build and anyone that's maybe had the misfortune to lose their permanent employment they might have got redundancy and they think right I'm going to throw that into doing their own business they've got the perfect way to do that networking I mean I mean you
1: who, sit in a co-working cafe and not be in business and yeah. just put that in there and you get into a conversation with the guy at the t- next table or the lady at the next table or whatever it might be the setup is you know that you know oh actually I'm looking for someone that could do this kind of work you'd be ideal yeah. there's opportunities that are out there you know you could you could have a jobs board in in them in them yeah. so imagine like a social job center
0: yeah I mean that would that would be because it it's small business but in the pandemic that has maybe haven't been able to grow. And if you do that, where you can, you, yes, we're used to working for ourselves, we're self-starters, we can just go in and connect. And it, in fact, just this discussion has probably set people's minds racing as they're listening to this and thinking, oh, that would be a great business model and they could start to look at it. And that's putting a positive spin onto everything so it's not doom and gloom there are positives that we can take out of this and that's what i'm trying to look at every day now is what are the positives
1: yeah i'm the same and you know that that idea is just one there's lots of other things i've thought about you know but i'm not i'm not looking to di- diversify my business into something else i'm not looking for anything else mm. so you know i'm the proverbial friend of mine his great granddad invented the cat's eye but i don't think he. He didn't patent it, mm-hmm. but had he been inclined, then maybe it, it, Sandy would have had a different life, but that mm-hmm. wasn't the case. He wasn't driven by money. And for me, you know, it's all about back to that helping people piece. And, yeah, if if, if a friend of mine who's got a pub suddenly thinks, you know what, that business hub idea, and to be open for people to use it sounds like a good one, because ultimately the business then capitalises on, restaurant meals later they might use it for other things or whatever else or it could be a guest house that's empty rooms or a commercial premise that could you know adjust their licensing or rate rateable value to to offer a cafe service or something else mm-hmm. if one business does that it helps not that one business but everyone else that is going to use it so it's kind of you know and i would use that kind of thing as i said before but do I want to set something up? No, because mm-hmm. that's not where I'm at. That's not for me. But you know, the ideas will come about. Back to the electric car. Will I get one? Yes, because we're gonna have to anyway. Mm-hmm. But I did I did fancy a new a new car because my car's I don't know 12 years old. I don't mind that. It's a nice car. Um, but it, it drinks petrol, so I want to change that. Be, you know, think about the environments, really important. Yeah. Uh, so those changes will occur. Um, But, yeah, not driving, there's a quick way of fixing that, which is what's happened now. So, again, find the positive.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Loving this. Loving this. (laughs) Now, where are we now? You might have already touched on this, but what tools do you use to make your work life easier?
1: Well, that's interesting you've asked that question, Pearl. I've been working with a guy called Richard Woods. Richard... Uh, was on The Apprentice. He came second uh, he very well. In fact, he was on TV the other day on Apprentice catch-ups or best of or worst of. I think he was on one of the worst of bits when he got grilled in the boardroom. But he's a very nice man, and he's got a lead generation business. And part of what um, uh, what we're doing at the moment with, with Richard is finding ways to automate the processes. Mm. So one of the big things I've picked up and started using recently uh, is Calendly. So it's a calendar application. So it used to be had backwards and forwards between the networking people or businesses trying to f- find slots in diary. Now send a link say, here's a link to my Calendly. You can book your appointment here. Yeah. In fact, while I've been on this call, two have come through. People have booked appointments with me. No involvement, no backwards and forwards. So I save me time and yeah. then time. So one of the big things is for me is automating the processes. You know, get everything written down as a process, see what can be automated. If you can't automate it, get someone else to do it. So my thing for this year is to do less, but do more. Yeah. And a lot of that can be software driven. So whether it's something called Zapier, which automates interaction between software so when someone books a Canly meeting zapier zaps it into pipe drive my crm and creates uh, a lead and a deal for me and then that's monitored through there and all that happens without me having to touch it yeah the automation for me is the big thing i've been focusing on and there's a bit of investment there but actually uh guess what i'm getting out of it time
0: yeah little gap
1: so I'm not faffing around with setting up meetings or anything else. I'm spending time with my customers instead.
0: Yeah, I mean, I found that, well, you know, I've used Calendly and I've just been working with Timeify, if I've pronounced it properly. But that that's sort of a cross between corporate and small business, what it offers, so you can sort of scale up as you get more and more employees. So, yeah, all these things so people can book and it's, I've also started playing with sales funnels. And yes, you see everyone talks about it, but actually seeing I'm building courses. So I have my front two pages is my call to actions that people want to buy and they can go on. And then I'm doing membership, monthly membership. So I get um, monthly subscriptions coming in. I upload those details on a monthly basis or I'm currently working on courses. So It's almost that thing using my expertise and then put it into a course. You make it once, you sell it over and over again.
1: Yeah, I've done the same with the mindfulness guy that I work with. You know, we've built several courses and they're available on Udemy and Thinkific. We've built them once and we sell them many times. Uh, But the thing is, they sell themselves. All the mechanics are done and the whole process is now automated. Um, but it's like anything, you know, if you someone sort of says to me, how do I edit a page on a website? I'd either spend time and doing it myself mm. and then might send me, email, here's how you do it. Now I'll make the edit, record it and say, here's the recording. So when the next person has the same question, here's how to do it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's so much easier. And it's showing your expertise at the same time. And it's using the digital format, like we've said again. Yes, we're using it now, but it can be used in so many different applications going forward when it's post-pandemic and we go back to what will become a new normal. Dare I say those words?
1: New <laughs> normal. Don't know what the new normal is going to be. It's just gonna be better than where we are today. Yeah. Yeah. It's just things it will get better. And I think for now, and it's very hard for some people and, and it must always, always be mindful of that when we say let's think about the positive because some people are not in a place to do that. Um, but things will get better for them too. But for those that can think in the positive and can try and do things positive, eventually there's a knock on effect and everyone is going to benefit. So where you can focus on the, on the good stuff and only really talk about the good stuff. You yeah. know, yeah, everything's perfect in my life at the moment, uh, from a personal perspective, everything's perfect. But, you know, some things i like to improve in my business, so I'm working on those. But they're not the bits I talk about. Yeah. Some of that is down to this automization process. There's a lot of learning to be done. Yeah. And I've committed to reading 50 books this year, and I'm not talking Mills and Boone. I'm talking mm-hmm. business development books. The last one I wrote, read was Phil Berg's book on the story of Nike, uh, which is great, you know. And if you can learn something every day, you know, uh, my action coach, I've got an action coach, Phil Nasso. you know, he says, don't do nothing, do at least something to help your business. And thats it's true. If you're having a really bad day, even sweeping the front path because the leaves have been congregated there, you've been slipping over them all winter, yeah. even that little action is enough to shift your mind into a better place.
0: Yeah. Yeah just fantastic pearls of wisdom we say again all the information that you're sharing it's absolutely wonderful now we've said i've i've done where and how did we just cover the, the tools or is what
1: calendly tool- was the tools really so going digital and there are there are other tools out there there are so many that you can use to automate your process but it depends what you do so restaurants might have book a table for example yes. so so can book their own table without you having to be involved in the process. So have a look. What can you automate is worth looking at.
0: Depends on your sector. Most definitely, most definitely. Right, we're now going to look almost at your psyche now. So this is how I've worked out these questions. So, John, what would you have done differently in your life if you'd known then what you know now?
1: Read more books.
0: Yeah, oh, that's wonderful.
1: (laughs) Read more books. I mean, I like books anyway, and I do like reading books. And it's not that I don't read books, just don't read that many books. Um, But actually, the biggest thing you can do is learn and keep learning more. The more you invest in yourself, the more you can help other people. It's that simple. And if I'd have known better, I'd have invested more time in myself because while I've been successful in all the things I've touch, you know, touched on, be it being a radio presenter or working at National Grid or building websites, you know, the only way I've got better, and the only way I've learned to do it all, is actually to learn it. Yeah. So it is commission as much time as you've got to learning. And, yeah, when I was younger, maybe I went nightclubbing a bit too often. I'll be but, honest, we all, we've all done it. Right. Um, but did I spend time reading books in my downtime? No, I probably watched TV.
0: Mm. Yeah. So
1: maybe part of that is I'd, I'd, I would have spent less time watching Faulty Towers.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now we all binge watch Netflix, don't
1: we? Because my nine year old watches it every day.
0: Yeah.
1: He sit and watch it before he goes
0: to bed. It's his nighttime treat watching Faulty Towers mm. or Flowery. Tw- but it's his. Tw- Sometimes we talked about what keeps us awake at night. Sometimes, for me, I'm afraid it's Netflix. You get, you get so used to now. I can't watch a program that's weekly because I'm so used to seeing it get to the end and it automatically plays the next one, and you want to know. And it's, (laughs) yes, it does make you stop and think, doesn't it?
1: It's interesting, you know. If my wife had her way, there'd be no TVs in the house at all. But she, there is something value in what she's saying there because you know, I I don't watch soap operas.
0: No,
1: I've caught the odd one or two before, but I would never watch them because I know people who watch them religiously. I have customers that say seven thirty. I've got I've got to go because Coro's on. Mm. So you shouldn't let something like that steal your time.
0: No,
1: because that's mm. all it is, and it's nice to escape to it yeah and it's nice to escape and watch a film for a couple of hours um but to be depends on you know crikey yeah. coronation's been the streets been going for the, my entire life i've could have been watching that for my entire life i'd yeah. love to work out how many days would have wasted had that been the case yeah but yeah. no 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 I... definitely, definitely more time on learning
0: yeah I love that idea. Really love that idea. And I couldn't agree more with it. And it's something I think the listeners could take in and say, yes, definitely. And we've got the time to do that now. We talked time back. Yeah, and to be fair, there's
1: you know, it, it's something you can start right now. You don't I think, well, you know, I'm I'm sixty now. I don't mind saying I'm sixty years old because I now look about seventy. But um but um you know, is it too late to be starting business? No. I mean, I started my business when I was 55 when friends of mine were looking at retiring. Yeah. And they said, we must be mad. You could you could actually not work if you wanted to. So, well, there's the point. I don't want to. No. You know, So to, to get the most out of my business, I'm going to spend a lot of time learning stuff. Yeah. And I do courses every day. I've got LinkedIn Learning. Mm-hmm. I've done some OU stuff. I've done some other learning stuff. I've been on courses seminars yeah. and you know what I walk away with at least I walk away with one golden nugget or one thing from a book yeah. it's something you didn't know yesterday
0: yeah and that is what's so brilliant it it really is <coughs> excuse me now I'm going to move on to this next question what is your biggest challenge and why
1: Uh what is my biggest challenge and why That's a great question. <laughs> so my biggest challenge, I think, is probably apathy. And I say that, and i want to point it to one particular thing. On my bookshelf, I look at over there, there are lots of books that I'm using to research my novel. Now, I'm writing a novel, don't mind sharing it, about fairies as in little things with wings. Well, that's the picture that people see, but fairies. And this idea of a book started in 1983. Yeah. Now, I love books. I love writing. I was always top in English, and it's something I've always wanted to do. Uh, so for me, it is about apathy and getting it done.
0: Because
1: yeah. I'm my own worst enemy. Do you know what? It's only in my book. I can leave that until tomorrow. But actually, because I choose not to do it, then choosing not to do other things equally can be the same. Mm. So I'm working on my social media campaigns at the moment for myself. Mm. And so the customer email comes in. For me, our customer's first. It's almost like, great, there's the excuse. I need not to do my own stuff. But actually, if I just pull my finger out, I probably, turn out that campaign you know in a couple of days it's done it's out the way but I choose not to do it and now I need to do it and I'll get to it that's my challenge I just need that extra bit of focus but to that end to be fair to that end I have just taken on an action coach who is already tasking me with stuff but that I I see Phil as an accountability partner so when he says tell me your numbers for your business. Like most business owners, if they look at the blank expression, you know, probably 95% of business owners don't know the numbers if they're really honest.
0: yeah.
1: And they'll say, well, I've got an accountant does that. Yeah, I've got an accountant, but I should know my numbers. Yeah. It's not an excuse. Yeah. So now I've, that's my challenge and I'm addressing it directly with uh, an action coach, with Richard Woods on another side of my business and getting the help where I need it to help me stop being so apathetic or take away the app and just be pathetic and get stuff done. Yep.
0: But this is this is when you work for yourself, this so often happens. Like when you say about a website and everything, what we do, nine times out of ten, my website comes last because I'm working with customers, I'm working with clients. So where are our digital platforms should be our shop fronts at times they don't get updated as often as they should like if I do a social campaign for a client, my social um, platforms will will suffer. One I use my social network to amplify a customer so sometimes if I'm doing a really big push like when we've promoted the serenity single, I used all of my networks to amplify that. And for one day when we launched it, I sat from eight o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock at night. And I literally, all I did was post about the single, but it, it's things you get into. And then I'm thinking, well, I've got that reach for a client. Why aren't I doing it for myself? Because I we always... it,
1: Yeah, I call it hairdresser syndrome. Really, this is the bad hairdresser. You've got the worst haircut, mainly because it's very hard to cut your own hair, but it's not a bad analogy. And you do think, well, do you know what? I'm busy doing yours. At least you look nice. Yeah. But if, if you were to base getting your hair cut on how the hairdresser looks, you'd probably never get it cut. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, apathy is an easy easy one for me to say. And it's being honest enough to say that that's me. Because when yeah. it, you know, even at home, you know, I'll start decorating a room and I'll perhaps not finish painting the coving. I'll, I'll do the coving last. Hmm. And it's still not painted. I know that in the hall. That the coving is not painted because i've nearly finished yeah. i nearly finished it last year it will probably take me an hour to paint the coving so just being honest with myself say they have my challenges you know apathy it'll it i'll do it tomorrow yeah. i've had a busy day you've all had busy days but sometimes just you know it's like when i do tasks for customers i always do the hardest task first
0: yeah
1: and then in fact, that's not that's actually not true. I do the urgent tasks first for the customers because some are urgent, mm-hmm. then I do the hardest tasks and then the easy stuff's at the end. Mm-hmm. And if I applied that to more of my own life, that'd be a lot, a lot simpler. But yeah, writing a book, 80,000 words,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: it'd be a great book when it's done. I'll send you a copy.
0: Oh, definitely. <laughs> You've already piqued my interest and you're going to have to come back on the podcast and tell us all about it when it's ready to launch, when you're publishing it. (laughs)
1: I'll give you the title. It's called The Babies of Greenhow Hill. Oh, There you go.
0: See? And how far into it are
1: you? Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm researching it. Yeah. I've got the... I think I've got the first page done, so... Quite a lot of pages left, <laughs> uh, but I'm—I've decided that the best way to write it is actually a lot of research, which is actually true, and I am actually doing a lot of research at the minute.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but all of a sudden, the characters and the storylines falling into place. Yeah. Now, the problem is, Pearl, that the idea of this book started in 1983, and the opening scene in the book, shall we call it, involves taking a picture of these fairies. Or well, back in 1983 you had a camera with film in it, which meant taking it to the local chemist Mm. and getting this film developed, which the story doesn't work if I then switch that to a digital camera. So I have to now not only research the subject matter I'm doing, but I have to make sure that historically it's correct as well because it's been going that long.
0: Or, Or you bring it forward and you find the film and take the story that way, but it's your story, so I will not interfere, but I'm just thinking that's another way that you have that, and you have to find a way to get it, um, the film process, so you, and that's where the the excitement comes in, and all the thrills and stuff.
1: <laughs> it's the whole hook of the story, that first page.
0: Yeah. Oh, this is wonderful. I love it. Yeah, I'm interested already, so yes, you will have to, I'll have to keep, I'll keep you accountable. So you... The thing is, the
1: more people you tell you're doing it, Yeah, how's how's the book going?
0: Yeah, well,
1: he's uh, his his, uh, third cookbook uh, is launched on the 21st of January, and he's busy writing his next book Hmm. as well. He's got two more books to write this year, but he will tell you that they're not going to write themselves,
0: yeah, yeah. And now you've shared it with a global audience. I
1: never thought of that till I said it.
0: So we will all keep you accountable and you'll have all these people that want to read it. So that will be brilliant. <laughs> now, John, this one, this question, people have told me it's egocentric. Now, I didn't think of it being the ego when I wrote it. But it was more, again, to look at the personality and see how, how you looked at life. But how do you want to be remembered?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. How do I want to be remembered? Uh, that I cared.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. And you do. You do. You've already I achieved do. that. You've achieved uh, that.
1: You know, it's it for me, I just, I just want to be remembered as a nice person.
0: Yeah.
1: Someone that went out his way for other people. And that I cared, really. Yeah. I do. I care. Yeah. I care for everybody, you know. I don't care who they are, what they do. You know, if someone's got a problem and I hear about it, I want to help. Yeah. You know, years ago, um, I'll tell you a story. I, I was, it, I'd be, I don't know, 18. And me and a friend of mine were looking after his mum's mobile home, uh, caravan park near home Pierpoint in Leicester, uh, in West Bridgeford, that area, Nottingham. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I said I'd look after the garden because I was into gardening. So I'll look after the garden for you as well. So I was cutting the grass. It was summer's day, about half past ten at night, just starting to get dark. And right on the edge of the countryside, I heard this scream. And I went running over the field because I heard the scream again. I thought, that do not sound right. So I jumped into this field, landed on a barbed wire fence, which is not a great start to the adventure, I can tell you. I ran about a quarter of a mile through this great big wheat field, which was you know ready for you know harvesting. Mm-hmm onto this country lane. There was a car parked on the side of the road. And, um, oh, that's a bit strange for that being there. So I walked down the road a bit and then I heard this slap in the field and then some very colorful language, shall we say. Uh, So At that point I knew there was something amiss, shall we say. So I thought I'll stop a car and get someone to come into this field with me to find out what's going on. In the middle of nowhere, Caught to 11 at night, a police car turns up. And they spent five minutes trying to find out why I'd got my car parked down the road. It's not my car. There's somebody in this field, and I think there's someone being attacked. And they thought I was making up the story. This is what they said afterwards. At which point, this guy stands up and says, look, they're in the field. And uh, the police went over there. And yes, he'd been attacking this girl. He'd been trying to rape her. I'd heard her screams, and the upshot of it was, was uh, this guy had finished playing bridge that night. He was a lecturer at Nottingham University. Had seen this girl walking down the country lane. He was walking to the caravan park to see her dad, mm-hmm. and uh, he'd seen her. Stopped his car and pulled her into the field. Uh, he did get arrested. He got two years good of imprisonment for that. Uh, I arrived at the right time because he hadn't. Mm-hmm. You know, raped her, uh, which was great to hear. Um, but yeah, it was. It I, I forget where I got onto the story about this, but
0: it's about how I
1: happening. ignored it.
0: Yeah,
1: I could never forgive myself.
0: Yeah, because potentially, I mean, you've saved her life, haven't you? Um,
1: well, you tried to strangle the girl. You, you, the neck was so badly bruised. But um, you know, whether it's an event as extreme as that, um, you know, if, if you see someone who's struggling and you don't offer that hand,
0: yeah.
1: that hand and that, and, you know, if you've got a problem, always feel free to give me a ring, that kind of thing. Yeah. If you see someone struggling, you help them out.
0: Yeah.
1: If you don't do it and something happens to them because you didn't, how would you feel? And I never want everyone to feel that I didn't do something I could have done. So, yeah, I want to remember just someone who cared.
0: Yeah, which is wonderful, and you do. And this this interview has shown every listener that you care. So you've already achieved that. So you, that's you will definitely be remembered for that. So it's just wonderful.
1: I just hope like, there's a long time before we need to write it on my gravestone. That's all, really.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: I'm an open book. That's the thing, Paul. You know, I think nowadays people try to because of social media, you try to guard your life privately, which is a bit a bit odd when you're on social media. But uh, but actually, you know, if I if I'm stressed, I'll tell you I'm stressed. If I'm anxious, I'll tell you I'm anxious. You know, I've been to hypnotherapists to sort out being anxious at the start of this pandemic because mm-hmm. it's the right thing to do. Stronger for the family, stronger for business, a better help to my customers. I've even advised other people what I've done, and they've gone and done the same, and they've thanked me for that. And if you can't be honest, you know, there's this big push about mental health and all the rest of it. If you can lend an ear to one person to help them out,
0: yeah,
1: then that's great.
0: Yeah. Well, oh, absolutely love this. I'm now going to flip this, John. Yeah. As a child... What did you want to be and how close to that dream are you now?
1: As a child, what do I want to be and how close am I to that dream now? Crikey, Riley. That's a great question, Pearl.
0: It is, isn't it? I'm going to take <laughs>
1: myself back a couple of years and be the child again.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I just want to be, uh, I don't know. I want to be the explorer that it used to be, I guess. I used to live near Attenborough Nature Reserve and spent all my time going down by the river and the canal and the, uh, you know, and, and the gravel pits and up the trees and climbing trees and all those bits. You know, I want to be that little boy that could go out exploring without fear of people. Because back then that was the case. You could just go out and about. And my mum didn't mind that I used to go down by the river as a young boy. Yes. You know, that's not the case now. So, yeah. Could I be back to that little boy again? Yeah. You know, I've got my, it's not the same. I've got my nice garden here. I can hear the birds chirping in the background. And the squirrels run past twice while I've been on, the, on this call, which is lovely to see. But, uh, yeah, that little, little boy's never really gone away, but he's had a rest. But, yeah, the little boy wants to go out again.
0: Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, I,
1: the explorer.
0: I, yeah, I love that and um, yeah how many of us will look back and think we need more childhood because we we waste it all our parents always say to us oh you'll regret that your school days are your best days of your life I wouldn't say that I agree with that but there are certain things that I think yeah to yeah. have that carefree nature and know that you could just go and play and just to play and not have a care in the world, you lose that as you grow up, don't you?
1: Yeah. I mean, one of the things, I when I t- started this business with It's Easy Leicester, um, one of the things I wanted, I did it for was to spend more time with Dylan, my youngest, because, as you know, the hours we put in at National Grid, that wasn't the case for my eldest, Mikey. Yeah. He spent more time at the nursery than he did at home. Yeah. And I said, there's no way I'm putting Dylan through that again. or Dylan, putting Dylan through that. If he's got a school play or a school sports day, I don't care what's in the diary. Yeah. That goes in the diary first. And if a customer has an appointment, it'll be around that. Yeah. So I go to all of those things that I couldn't do with Mikey. And it's not for me. It's more for him. I, looked, I I can think back and honestly say that I can't remember either of my parents ever coming to anything at school mm. because they were always at work as well.
0: Yeah.
1: So for Dylan, you know, I'll, I'm able to make this choice and if he wants my time, uh, he's got it. So you know, because he's at home now, because of homeschooling, it's about, what time is it now? It's about uh, the time he's probably finished or he'd finish about three o'clock with his home schooling and it's not bad outside. So he'll probably come in the garden for an hour with me later,
0: Yeah,
1: you know, and that's, I can be that little boy with him.
0: Yeah. And that is lovely. And it's lovely to know. And <coughs> that's again, why I ask these questions because it, it makes you think like some people will say, yes, they're doing exactly what they wanted to do or something completely different. I mean, <sighs> Uh, When I've told this on a few of these interviews, when people used to ask me as a child, what do I want to be? I used to say Prime Minister. That was it. Prime Minister, I was going to go, I was going to be a barrister and then go on and be Prime Minister. And this was the time when Margaret Thatcher was in and I had a strong female role model. And I did debating classes and everything. I mean, the closest I got was working in Westminster, but all right, it was as a communications consultant, but I got there. and But it's, it's things that you think about. I mean, I can remember I, I got glandular fever one year and I couldn't go to school. And I sat and I watched all the party political broadcasts because at the time I didn't know which way I wanted to go. And I came out and I was thinking, yes, I agree with what they're saying. I mean, all right, I haven't. I don't know because of the work we do when you communicate and you have to be you have to make sure that you don't take any sides at all I haven't taken that political route but it makes you think what you could do and as a child I was sure I could achieve anything I set my mind to and I can still but sometimes I forget and I have to remind myself now
1: (laughs) I'm still a little explorer any chance that a can take Dylan out fossil hunting. The garden's full of fossils we've collected. You know, it's because that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And yeah, uh, revisited my career path. I might be a palaeontologist. I might be a geologist. Or it might be a another David Attenborough, as he's from Leicester. But um, but yeah, hmm. real stuff you see, not not laptops and computers.
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> that, that was my childhood scrumping.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you would, you just go out to play. You weren't sat in front of the TV. You weren't sat in front of a screen. You went out and we played in the fresh air. You can,
1: punishment. You can come in and watch TV. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> How times change, but it is, it builds us to the people that we are now. It does. Most definitely. Most definitely. Now, this is my favourite, favourite bit again. talking books again john you know i love books so again can you name three titles of your favorite books and why you've chosen them i put books in everywhere because i love them oh
1: dear so so many books i've got books in the attic i've got books in the front room i've got books in my office uh genre wise i've got everything from science fiction to fantasy to historical dramas yeah. uh, and lots of books on business yeah. uh, so I'm going to give you three books yeah. one is a novel in fact two of them sort of novels I suppose and then one is a business book so the first book that I'm going to tell you is a classic and that is Homer's Iliad yeah. I've recently read it And I can't believe I've not read it before. It's absolutely mind-blowing piece of literature. Well worth the read. And I'll be reading that again. Um, Another book uh, from an author I like and I've met met him is Geoffrey Archer. Uh, He's a very nice man. Although he did do time in prison. He still managed to write more books then. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, yeah, Geoffrey Archer is a great storyteller. Uh, Particularly one of his favourites is Cain and Abel. It's a fabulous story. So many twists. You know, I read that and I think, I'm writing a book. How can I match that? Well, the reality is you, you can't. You've got to write your own book. Yeah. I'm not going to write Fifty Shades of Grey. Not a chance. I'm not going to write Cain and Abel or the Iliad. But actually, I will be writing The Babies of Greenhow Hill. So that that'll be book number four. But book number three is a book that I've had a copy of since i was 15 and i've given a copy to my son as well and that is dale carnegie's how to win friends and influence people that's always served me well and i've got lots of books like that but that particular book as old as it is and it is a very old book um is it's not a bad not a bad business starter book for a young lad to read
0: yeah yeah Yeah, I think I've got that on my shelves. And if it's not here, it will be downstairs or in the attic. So, yeah. I
1: don't know if it's on this one. I think it's in in the front room at the minute, that one. But, yes, I have lots of books. I I read uh, Phil Berg's book last week, The Story of Night, which was great, or the week before last, rather. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, yeah, business books, 50 this year. That's what I'm reading, plus novels. I don't fit it all in. I've no idea, but...
0: You will, though. I have every faith in you. You will, and you'll probably beat it. And at the end, you'll think, "Oh, I've even got time for one more."
1: <laughs> yeah, and I won't have written mine. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> There's the apathy thing creeping in again. Look, you see, still, still as bad at bad mm. at it. It'll get there. But no, books fabulous. You, know, if you've got anything to do, read a book.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got a few sat here that I really love. I mean, I've listened to a few on Audible and then I've got some as books because I keep listening to The 5am Club by um, Robin Sharma and I've also got um, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari by Robin Sharma again but I haven't read the the Monk one yet so I will have to start to pick that up and see so I've got that to look forward to as well. (laughs) Very good. Now, I'm going to move on who would you say are your key influencers and why? You mm. might have mentioned some of them as we've gone through, but it's always good to know. Mm.
1: Key influencers. Gerarchy. Did I mention some?
0: <laughs> well, you've mentioned like your accountability coach and people. And- okay,
1: so okay, so key influence for me right now. So um One for me at the minute is a guy called Surya Cheetah. He's a mindfulness coach and he was a customer first and is a friend now. Um, I spend a lot of time with him and his wife. And that's changed my outlook completely and much calmer since I've met Surya Cheetah. And I've taken mindfulness to heart. So very much a key player in my head most days because mindfulness is just second nature now. And I've got him to thank for that. Um, Other key people. So, yeah, I've got a business coach. So I work with a couple of people. So Phil Nassau is my action coach. Um, I've known Phil uh, just a short time now, a couple of years or so. Um, But uh, his ethics are like mine. He's all about helping people. He's currently running online business clubs at no cost know which you know if you know action coach you, you pay for that but he, he's all about helping people now so as online it doesn't cost him anything so he's given his time for free mm-hmm. uh, so that kind of work ethic for me is really important and he's not just about his business but he's you know what he wants to do you know for other people is that's him so for me that's a great person to be thinking about um And other influences, I mean, there's quite, I look up to a lot of people and I try and not emulate, but, you know, I think about uh, Bob Proctor, for example. Mm. So if you've ever seen or read The Secret, you'll know Bob Proctor's name. It's just about being around people with a positive mindset. Mm. They're my influences. Yeah. And even the story of Phil Berg, never met him, don't know him. But having read his book, you know, he had a vision and went with it. So if you've not read Phil Berg's book on Nike, do give it a read. Um, mm. Very interesting. Um, but, yeah, being around positive people, really important. So Surry Cheetah, always smiling. Bob Proctor, yeah, always always had the positive message. So, you know, someone I've never met, obviously, but
0: mm. does he
1: influence me now? Yes, he does. Mm. And that's, that's what it's about for me positivity
0: love it absolutely love it right now this is this is an exciting question we're almost at the end now but john if you could share a great meal with anyone alive or dead what would the meal be and who would it be with
1: <laughs> that is a good
0: question
1: back in 1969 my school did me a great favour and let me watch the moon landing live. And that always sat in my mind. And when I talked about the internet earlier about saying it would never take off and my interest in space had come from that very day in the classroom in 1969. Coincidentally, my best friend who lived in Beeston, went near where I lived, my best friend's name was Neil Armstrong,
0: Oh, wonderful.
1: Uh, but he's the person I would like to have dinner with, the first man to set foot on the moon, to talk about and recap his entire experience from, you know, the, the testing that happened, the whole experience, that moment he put his foot on the moon.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, will I ever put my foot on the moon? Unfortunately not. You know, I actually felt physically sick when the Challenger went up in smoke. Because up until that point, I saw a slight glimmer of hope I'd get into space. Now, with Richard Branson's SpaceX, maybe there's a chance. Yeah. We'll see. It's bloody expensive, so i better get my book written, I suppose, and sell a lot of copies. Will I get there? Probably not. That would be a great thing. But it would be great to sit across the table and talk to Neil Armstrong about his journey and that first step. Yeah. Um, and what would we eat? That's a good question. See, I like seafood, but, um, yeah, I don't know, maybe a a seafood meal of some description.
0: This is what I love, and this is why I put the question in, because, yes, you get to know the, the ideal person that you want to meet, and then you choose the meal to go with it, because... Then if you can sit and have a conversation and break bread, as it were, you get far more out of your, the the person sitting opposite you, as opposed to if I said to you, who would you go and see at a conference or who would you like to hear speak? It's something completely different because you have a far more personal interaction and you, it. The imagination it brings up for that, the possibilities that, yes, and you almost get that. We talked about manifesting law of attraction much earlier, but to do that and get this mindset and actually visualise that, that could get you to the moon because you could almost picture yourself having that conversation in a relaxed atmosphere and almost you make it happen, speak it into existence, as it were.
1: Yeah. One day i to come back the next time. Definitely. There's a whole other conversation.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Well, I've told you you've got to come back. I've told you already there. We we've could we got so many topics that we could talk about.
1: Oh, so crikey.
0: I've, we've got two questions left, but I'm going to roll them into one because this is where you get to promote yourself as much as possible and to all the listeners so they know where to find you and everything so first of all if you can say what services or items do you offer to your clients and customers and also do you have any special offers on at present that we can share with the listeners
1: so it's easy leicester website design guess what we build websites Mm uh we offer we specialize in websites so SEO services we recommend out to other companies, but actually, uh, our websites are SEO friendly and we can do that to a degree with the client anyway. But uh, we have three specific packages, so a very nice, light uh, plus package, we call it. Uh, so great for a startup, uh, not overly expensive. And I must say that the prices are on our website, um, but a price for a, a basic five page website is £350 plus VAT. £35 a month, great place to start. Um, Right up to e-commerce websites as well. Um, We offer at the minute a free website health check. So if you've got a website and you want to know how it's performing, we can do that for you. We can do a free website health check. You get a full report printed out and you can uh, do with that what you will, but it tells you the good, the bad, and uh, ways you can improve your website, shall we say. But yeah. And all of our websites are bespoke, no templates. We build it with the customer in mind, uh, which is really important. And you get me in your corner helping your business grow.
0: And it is wonderful. I mean, I'm the first to say just how great John is at what he does. And I would recommend him. Well, I do recommend you to quite a few people. I've sent a few people to see you because what you do is brilliant. And I'd say to each listener, reach out. Because you've heard so much fantastic information. This man knows his stuff and some. And we, like I said, with every one of the podcast episodes, I always make sure that I add the links so that there's ways that you can connect with John and reach out and possibly become a client or a customer of the future.
1: Advice is always free. Yes. Yes.
0: Indeed. Indeed. Do, well, you've covered that so you do you have any special offers that you've maybe offer to the listeners? Uh,
1: free website health check to be fair pearl
0: yeah yeah um, that's a fantastic one
1: uh, and, and it, it, it's, it's a good one to look at if you've got a website already certainly you know um i've also got a free security guide if you well, well, big thing about security at the moment on websites and lots of scams going on to make sure things are in place we've got a security guide that I can send you as well if you'd like that but uh but that's it really
0: oh this is absolutely wonderful and it just leaves me to say a massive thank you John it's i have loved talking to you it feels like it was only yesterday we were at national grid just sharing everything but we never got the chance to chat like we have now because we were so busy nose to the grindstone wasn't it yeah, they were they were the days <laughs> but it's it's wonderful to connect And like I said, I'd love to ask you back for the future to share more interesting information. I mean, because some of the things we've touched, that could be a whole podcast on its own.
1: We'll get there. We'll do it again. We will. will. Lovely. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Pearls of Wisdom podcast. We hope you have enjoyed the content shared. Please share with others who would like to enjoy these interviews and discussions. If you would like to support the podcast, please follow the link in the episode description. If you want to be a guest on the show, reach out and let's discuss next steps. Until the next time, enjoy your listening.